Welcome to Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I'm Dawn Berendt, the Clinical Education and Publications Manager for the INS. My guest today is Sharon Weinstein. Sharon Weinstein is CEO of SMW Group, LLC, as well as president and founder of the Global Education Development Institute. She specializes in workforce issues related to balanced lifestyle, total wellness, nursing and patient safety, and stress management. Sharon completed her nursing education at Pennsylvania Hospital, followed by undergraduate and graduate degrees in Florida and Texas. She is a graduate of the Kellogg Executive Management Program and a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. She is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Nursing at the University of Illinois, Chicago College of Nursing, former associate dean of Speakers Academy, and past president of National Speakers Association, D.C. Sharon chairs the CSP Council for the National Speakers Association and is a member of the editorial board of Speaker Magazine. She is past president of the INS and past chair of INCC. Sharon is the author of 12 books and over 160 papers. Sharon, welcome. I'm so happy to have you as my guest today. Thanks, Dawn, and I'm delighted to be here. So, uh, you have some history with the INS. Would you like to share about that? Sure. I joined INS, and I believe it was around 1977, which was a long time ago, (laughs) when it was the National Intravenous Therapy Association. I started out working on programs, and at one point I was also the director of the National Council on Education. In those days, we didn't have a full staff. And so the individual who was the director of the National Council on Education was also the director of the provider approval unit. So it was almost a full-time job. There was a lot of work involved, but I volunteered because my philosophy is that if you volunteer and you do things and you participate, you get so much more out of the organization. I was the president 1981 to 82 and worked with the late Cheryl Gardner on the concept of infusion nurse or IV nurse day which was quite exciting. And then I also assumed first vice chair and then chairmanship of the INCC. So I have a long history. You certainly do. So today we're going to be talking about work-life balance. And I have to tell you, I have some thoughts about work-life balance. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I'm going to see if you address some of my, hmm, what can I say, preconceived ideas. So I'm going to invite you to begin telling us, how would you define balance? Well, first of all, many people have misconceptions or their own perceptions about work-life balance. They call it work-life balance, work-life integration, and many of my colleagues say that it is virtually impossible. In my life, it has become possible. So for me, work-life balance is a concept including proper prioritizing between work career and ambition, and lifestyle, health, pleasure, leisure, family, and spiritual development or meditation. It's a combination of the two, making sure that they meld or work together to allow you to be all that you can be. So why is balance so important for the infusion nursing professional? In today's fast-paced business world, the ability to achieve work-life balance is becoming more and more difficult. Nowhere is that more true than in the busy life of the infusion nursing professional. 
Infusion nurses work all hours of day and night. They take call. They work odd hours. They interfere with their own body's circadian rhythm. And so all of that leads to stress. And stress leads to distress, which then leads us to an imbalance in terms of work life. Mm-hmm. So employers expect more from staff, and we're increasingly putting additional pressure on ourselves to achieve greater results. But when did it become possible for a usual workday to become a 24-hour workday? Many of us have allowed this to happen. Certainly nurses have. Often they have not only one job but multiple jobs, whether it's through conforming to the workplace culture or feeling obliged to put in more hours, but that shouldn't be the case. So maintaining work-life balance is not only important for your personal health and those relationships, but it can also improve your efficiency of your work performance. It can minimize errors. It can ensure that you get a decent night's sleep. It can ensure that you're hydrated and that you're feeling well, and we become less susceptible to burnouts. Okay. Sharon, what are some of the most common misconceptions about work-life balance? Well, first of all, work-life balance is not a result of time management. Work-life balance is not about finding more time to fit more into your day. If you're spending all of your time managing your time, you're focusing in the wrong place. You'll experience a happier and more fulfilling life by focusing on your values, not your time. So spend as much of your life as possible on what is important to you, what brings you joy. It may be personal growth, professional development, health, family, business. Think about what matters to you and focus your energy there. Secondly, work-life balance is not affected by the quantity of hours, but the quality of hours you spend loving what you do. There's no magic number of hours that guarantees you'll live a great life that you love. You may work part-time, 20 hours a week, and feel dissatisfied with your life. And you may work 60 hours a week and love your life. Work-life balance is not a calculation. It's a mindset and daily practice of healthy and happy living. You may not always have the opportunity to do what you love, but you can love what you do. And third, work-life balance is not a prize at the end of the race. So often we think we must work hard before we can enjoy any benefit in life. Hard work can pay off, but you don't need to work hard to enjoy and value your life. Don't give up your happiness today for a reward you think you'll get in the future. Okay. So you're talking to someone who has a checklist on the desktop with a pen lying on top of it with check marks on the things that I've already completed today and the things that I have yet to complete. So, um, hmm. You're, you're piquing my interest here a little bit, but tell me why balance is so hard to achieve. I mean, I like my okay. checklist. <laughs> First of all, Don, <clears throat> your checklist should be converted from a to-do list to a must-do list. Take that big list, select five things that you must do at the end of the day that will make you feel great, and then you check them off and you feel as if you've accomplished a great deal. Then take what's left and pick five more for the next day. The list does not have to be ongoing. So in answer to your question, why is it so hard to achieve? We just don't know how to say no. When I wrote the book, B is for Balance, I talked about no being a complete sentence 
and it's okay to learn how to use the word to bring balance to our lives. If something doesn't fall within your priorities, it's okay to say the magic word, no. You must avoid taking on more than you can possibly handle. Hmm. Negotiate for workplace balance by knowing yourself and your limitations. No, that simple word might just be the best time management tool that you have. So let's, you know, turn our conversation a little bit to some of the impact of not being balanced. Um, let's talk about what the cost is to business for professionals who do not have work-life balance. Okay. Think about it as nurses. Do we work more than 12 hours per day? If the answer is yes, and I think the answer is yes, I've got some bad news for you. It's literally killing you and not helping business. It's not helping the bottom line, and it's not helping patient outcomes. That's not to say that I don't love what I do. I thoroughly enjoy my work. However, I'm also aware that there has to be a balance between my personal and professional life if I want to remain productive, keep my team happy, and maintain the health of the business. So the employee benefits of a healthy work balance are it increases productivity. When you and your team get overwhelmed and burned out, you're going to get less done in the workplace. And the reason is that the stress and fatigue of burnout can actually lead to brains that look exactly like the ones that are sound asleep. Maybe that's why the Corporate Executive Board, which represents, I think it is 80% of the Fortune 500 companies, found that employees who believe that they have good work-life balance work 21% harder than those who don't after researching 50,000 global workers. It's important for the employer to have good outcomes, to have good customer satisfaction, to have good patient outcomes. It also reduces staff turnover, and we all know how much it costs to bring on more people. So when you have to keep replacing people and onboarding them and bringing them to a level at which you feel comfortable with their delivery, it costs more money. So when you look at the numbers, 57% of workers think that their employer is doing enough to address work-life balance. 43% do not. 51% of people say their work-life balance has not changed because of the recession or the recession that's coming. Hmm. There's a lot of information about the economics. So in today's economic environment, stress may be attributed, think about this, to having a job as much as to not having a job. Mm-hmm. In some areas, there are layoffs around the country, although there are also great opportunities for more people to enter the workplace now. But if an employee fears the loss of a job, even a job that is not the best, they're stressed. How will the family be fed? How will they pay their bills? Will they have to think twice before making routine purchases? We all have different stress triggers, and work tops it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it costs money in terms of family. You know, I recall a time when my adult children said that they were not going to be calling me anymore. They preferred (laughs) to speak to their dad, who paid attention to the conversation. They tested me on what they had said at the end of the call. And although I could repeat word for word their comments, my background typing at 150 words a minute and shuffling of papers made me pay a price. Family is important, and family time should be just that, family time. So put away the cellular devices put away those smart devices that sometimes are not so smart and pay attention because doing so will minimize stress for you and your family. 
-hmm. And then there's a cost of relationships. The American Institute of Stress identifies four main causes of workplace anxiety, workload, which is 46%, conflicts with other people, which we know if we're working in a toxic environment can be horrible, at 28%, juggling personal and professional time is 20%, and lack of job security is 6 But stress is everyone's job. We have to avoid overloading staff. And then we're all nurses. We know that there's a tremendous cost to our health. Stress may be the health epidemic of this century. It costs businesses roughly $300 billion a year as a result of absenteeism, reduced productivity levels, employee turnover. It's a real challenge. Mm. Think so about Sharon. performance. Think <laughs> about work demands. Think about all of those things bottom out mm. when you're stressed, when you're tired, and when you're not working at your 100%. Okay. So have I convinced you yet? <laughs> well, not. you're you're getting there. Um, okay. Let's talk about how someone with professional ambition uh, would negotiate a balancing act. Okay. For years, society has tried to assure ambitious people that if they worked hard enough, they could juggle a high-demanding career and a family. You're familiar with Sheryl Sandberg. We all are, the Facebook COO, and she says otherwise, especially as it relates to women. She admitted that balancing both worlds is extremely difficult, but a necessity if we wish to have more leaders in the workplace. What about other workers, men and women? They do everything for others before they do anything for themselves. In traditional Chinese medicine, they are earth personalities. All nurses are because they care for others first. We are givers, we are nurturers, we are caregivers, and we always provide support for others at home and at work. But we are also capable, creative, and resourceful, and that is why we're so adept at multitasking and can outwork many of the other people in our lives. People with professional ambition can reconcile that desire. They can prove themselves in the workplace, even if they're earth personalities, and they can still maintain a high level of standards at work as well as at home. Okay. So my next question then is talking about the reality of this. Is it realistic for managers or leaders to find life balance in this day and age? Um, We are really busy out there at work. And, um, you know, tell me why it's important again. Okay. You're only as good as you are balanced. Take a moment to reflect on your own career. If you were to lose your job today, how would that affect you? If you needed a professional recommendation, who would you contact to provide it? How would that recommendation look and feel? Do others think of you as a resource, as a go-to person, as a thought leader? You may love your work and dislike those with whom you work. So we know that work satisfaction studies reveal that job frustration is the number one problem that people express. And if your job makes you ill, it may be time to look elsewhere. Think about what kind of work and work setting excites you and think about how you can figure out when enough is enough. So again, I said that you're only as good as you are balanced. If you don't take the time for yourself, 
you won't be the best that you can be. There's a reason that flight attendants tell us to put our own seatbelts on first before we help others. Put yourself first and then others. So as far as reality, long shifts, long days, long weeks, and multiple responsibilities, including perhaps multiple jobs, pull you in multiple directions. There is so much to do and so little time. Well, is it a cliche or is it reality? In today's healthcare environment, it certainly seems that it is indeed our reality, a reality of the times in which we live and our expansive infusion scope of practice. Nursing more than ever before is such a challenge. And nowhere is this more obvious than in the way in which nurses care for themselves. Caring for caregivers is a common theme. You hear about it from the American Nurses Association and many other organizations. How can nurses care for others when they have no time to care for themselves? How can nurses continue to be the best they possibly can be to family, patients, employers, and others, pulling them in multiple directions? So for infusion nurses, balancing work and personal life can be a challenging task in the current American cultural climate. As nurses, we work more hours, have less time for ourselves, more on call, more emergencies, and we face a sense of urgency on a daily basis. A nurse colleague of mine recently said, and I'll quote, I need help managing my time. I'm studying for the NCLEX. I'm married and have a four-year-old son. I'm feeling like I need to study for my exam every waking minute, but I still have to clean my house, cook dinner, watch my son, spend time with my partner. Plus, I need to exercise, and I attend church twice a week. I would like to know from those who have a similar situation, how can you do it all? Does that sound familiar to you? (laughs) Probably to many of our listeners. Are you caught up in the balancing act, unable to do it all, and care only for others without caring for yourself? You are only as good as you are balanced. If you don't take the time for yourself, yes, even with the array of responsibilities pressuring you now, you will not be the best that you can be. That personal best includes you as a mom, dad, wife, friend, partner, professional, educator, or community leader. I'll add to that, professional society volunteer or member of the board. That personal best is what will enable you to reach new heights in your career, to achieve your goals, and to maintain your health. So we know that nurses have multiple sources of stress from an unrealistic workload due to inadequate staffing, emergencies, and excessive paperwork, fluctuating schedules associated with changing shifts or changing jobs if they're outpatient, mandatory overtime, in-hospital floating without appropriate orientation, and moral and ethical dilemmas, nurses see and feel it all. And additionally, in some cases, being single, raising young families, and or caring for aging parents, if we're in that sandwich generation, life circumstances provide unique psychological, sociological, and logistical challenges. Many professionals have sought flexible virtual arrangements in order to get a personal life. We all have personal and career goals. By visualizing those goals, we empower ourselves, Don, to achieve them. When we take small steps toward our goals, it puts them within our reach. In order to do so, we need to become resilient. So how do you do that? 
you create a personal environment that sustains you. Your environment either sustains and lifts you up or sets you up for certain failure. Your daily life unfolds in this space that you have created through your actions, through your reactions, and through your non-actions. So it's imperative to be cognizant of these critical elements, your thoughts, your physical condition, yourself, your spirit, your relationship, and unfortunately, your finances. Bounce back as needed. Don't let minor setbacks hold you back. Stay in the present and move forward. And more important than anything else is to know when you need help and know where to get it. Okay, thank you. So tell us, you know, what is one simple thing that we can begin? What can one listener do today? First of all, decide what's important in your life. Identify three areas of your life that are most important. For me, the three would be health and well-being, family, and my nonprofit and professional work. If health is a priority for you, take time to achieve it. Eat well, be well, do well. Begin an exercise program if you've not already done so. Family is really important to me, and when I am with family members, I want to give them my undivided attention. I don't do it all the time. I am still at fault, but I give it my best shot. And one of my passions is a not-for-profit organization that I founded. We educate nurse leaders in developing countries, and the work is personally and professionally rewarding. If there's one simple thing that I would advise any of our listeners to do, it's number one, simplify your life. Number two, identify your stressors and eliminate them. Number three, negotiate for workplace balance. Number four, know your purpose. Number five, stay focused. Number six, eat. Make sure you sleep and smile and be happy. Maintain that happiness factor. Maintain a good sense of humor. Allow some humor in your workplace. And master the fine art of list making. And that's what I suggested to you, Don. Take that to-do list and make it a must-do list. (laughs) Identify those things that must be done and those things that can wait. Identify the groups to which you must belong and those for which you must volunteer your time and efforts. Even though there is so much to do and so little time, take time for yourself and make balance a part of your daily routine. You'll thank yourself, and believe it or not, those around you are going to thank you too. So Sharon, let's make this personal. I want to ask you, do you really live a stress-free life? That's a great question, and the answer is yes. I decided to get hooked on balance, if you will, when I was working 100 hours a week, three countries a week in Eastern Europe. My time was not my own. And when I missed my son's engagement party because of a plane that had contraband on board, and infusion nurses will chuckle at this, the contraband was not drugs. It was butter and sausage. (laughs) When that happened, I went back to the hospital to work, which I did many times. But this time was different because I wanted to obviously be at my son's engagement party. If they were engaged, they were going to get married, perhaps they'd have children. In my life, I personally had not spent enough time with my children. And I thought, if I blew it then, I'm not going to allow myself to blow it with potential grandchildren. Little did I know, Dawn, that that was going to be a starter marriage and that within a year they would get divorced and there would never be children from that marriage. But still... I didn't know that at the time, and I wanted to be there. 
And it was at that moment, I'll never forget the feeling that I decided that I needed to get a life. Because if I continued the way that I was working and with what I was doing, I was never going to have a life. So I do manage to work and live stress-free. I monitor my time. I know my limits. I make good choices that work for me, knowing what is most important and making that the focal point of my life. All of that is possible because it's important to me. You've heard in the workplace and at home about selecting your battles. When you're raising teenagers, the same is true of life. You need to decide what's important and recognize the outcome of your decisions. What I have found works for me is, think about this, will that decision matter today, tomorrow, next week, or next year? If it's not that important, it can slip by the wayside and not get done right now. The way that I deal with all of that is to make sure that I breathe deeply, that I'm mindful, that I practice meditation, that I walk, that I hydrate. And hydration does not mean coffee and tea. It means water. Water is the hydrating Mm -hmm. agent. I know myself. I use reminders for myself. I follow my passion. And I accept myself for all of the things that I do well and all of the things that I do poorly. I limit myself to working right now about 30 to 35 hours a week. I slept last night 11 hours straight because I was tired and I listened to my body. And at some point, we all need to do that, don't we? Yes, yes, for sure. So um, we're getting close to the end of our podcast here today. Um, Can you share with us how someone could learn more about your work and what you do? Sure. I have a website that is S mwgroupllc.com. That's S for Sharon, M for Mary, W for Weinstein, group, LLC.com. I have another website that is SharonMWeinstein.com, and it's my speaker site. I'm constantly on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and other forms of social media, but just so you know, I don't burn myself out on them. I pre-schedule posts. So for Facebook, I have posts scheduled for the next three weeks. I have a book out that's called B is for Balance, and the first edition of that book was called B is for Balance, a Guide for Nurses. When I expanded it in 2015, it became B is for Balance, a second edition, a guide for balance at home and at work. And that book won first place in Consumer House in 2015 through the American Nurses Association. I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. And I have another book that will be released next week called Are You Ready to Recharge Your Battery? Secrets of Work-Life Balance. That one I'm especially proud of because instead of being 150 pages, it's a real quick read with information that can be taken by everyone and used right here, right now. So I invite your listeners to reach out to me, to connect with me on social media, to check those websites and to let me know if they have any questions about how they too can take a stress assessment, figure out what their issues are, and actually realize a bit of balance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to encourage our listeners to look at the show notes. I will have some of those websites posted for you there. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being my guest today on Talking in Vain, and I really do appreciate the time that you took to share with our listeners and with, and with me personally about work-life balance. 
Okay, this is Don Barrett signing off. This concludes this session of Talking in Vain.